You are listening to the CMC Podcast. Join us each week for messages designed to equip, inspire, and motivate. And now for today's message from Pastor Tim Brooks. I want to welcome all of those today that are joining us on all of our media outlets. Here's a note we got in our office this week from a listener. I'm sure you get thousands of messages every day. This message may never be seen, but my heart tells me to write it. I want to say thank you to the church, specifically Josh Barnett. I'm 35 years old. I live in Tennessee. I believed in Jesus to be Lord and Savior my entire life, but looking back, I never truly accepted it. I don't pray. I don't attend church. But last Sunday, I had an urge to listen to a sermon. I listened to a few minutes of services from several different churches on Pandora. Then I came across yours. Josh was preaching overcoming offense. I can't explain what happened, but Jesus spoke to me as I listened to Josh. Joy filled my heart, happiness consumed my soul, and for the first time in my life, I understood the purpose of church. I'm telling everyone I know of my spiritual awakening, and just be talking about it brings tears of joy to my life. It's only been days since I first heard the sermons of your church, but like a light switch, I've been instantly transformed, and I love it. Thank you for being there and available to me. Without that podcast, I'd still be lost. And a big thank you to Josh, his conviction and love for the Word of God kept me listening. God bless you all. Welcome all of those who are joining us on podcast. And I just want to say to Brian in Tennessee, you keep listening and you keep growing. Let God do great things in your life. Also, I want to say I'm sorry. Josh isn't preaching today. You're stuck with me. I'm going to do the best I can to be half as good as Josh, but here we go. I'm looking forward to today's message. I'm thrilled about what God is doing in this church and all of the ways he's using our children's ministry, our high school weekend that we just had, all the things that are going on here, and for us to weekly be getting notes from people all over the country that lives are being touched. Today, I'm grateful for all of those back there working in the lights and the sound. We've got folks on our, in our second floor up here running this live stream, making all of this happen. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We're seeing God do great things in people's lives. The title of today's message is Epic Failures. Epic Failures. In life, we have failures every day. What we should have said, what we should have done, how we should have handled it. There's no doubt about it. Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says, we daily fall short of the glory of God. And we are all, all of us are a work in progress, a real piece of work in progress. But today I want to talk about not our daily struggles, but I want to talk about a few of what I call epic failures in life. You know, the failures in your past that make it hard for you to sleep at night, the, the failures that you still have bad dreams about, and it was 25 years ago, the failures in your life that maybe you just can't seem to get over, and it was 30 years ago, the failures that at random times what you did comes up and torments you. True enough, and for sure for all of us, daily we fall short of the glory of God. Uh, daily, my attitude is just not right. Right now, just, I just got mad. I've got to get my attitude right. 
You know, I let something really get to me just a few minutes ago. We work through these every day. I don't know about you, but I have to give myself a little talk. Come on. Tim, get it together. Right now, I can feel my heart beating in my face. This is not good. This is not good at all. You grab those thoughts. You put your mind somewhere else. And just all the time, I got to put the clutch in, grab the gear shift, and I got to get me another gear. Stop thinking about that, and you start thinking about this right now. Now, we all do that. We all do that. Some of you once a day. For me, it's every few minutes. But I want to talk about a moment in time. I don't know what's the matter with you. Just went brain dead? Uh, I don't know. I don't know what happened. The, the, the devil just got us. I don't, there's no excuse for what you did. You knew it was wrong. and you. It's what I'm talking about, an epic failure in our life. I don't know what it might have been. Uh, alcoholism that just that got you a, a drug deal or drug deals I don't know was a divorce should never done that you should have never done that and you've hated yourself for all these years over that maybe it was an affair maybe it was a business decision maybe you got involved in some kind of a scam uh, maybe maybe you had an abortion maybe you've been in a big lie I don't but I'm talking about a real big deal I'm talking about an epic failure in your life And for some reason, you can't seem to fully get forgiven. It just keeps being thrown up to you of what you did. Now, in your mind, you know God's forgiven you. In your mind, you've got some mental awareness of God's grace and God's forgiveness. You've got some mental understanding that you've been washed clean, that you've been set free. But still, you've got an epic failure in your past that that hangs on. And the pain of it just comes up at random times. I mean, just talking to somebody, and out of nowhere, here comes your hurt. I mean, just going through the day, and here comes your regret. Here comes your pain. Here comes your hate of yourself. Maybe at night when you're trying to go to sleep, and, and you're just laying there wallowing, hating what you did, hating what you did. It's an epic failure. Or maybe you go to sleep, go right to sleep, lay in your bed right to sleep, but in a few hours you wake up in the middle of the night and and you're so full of regret, you're so full of hate, and you wallow in it, and you wallow in it, and you wallow in it. You know, there are quite a few examples of epic failures in Scripture that we can learn from. Matter of fact, when you read Scripture, you're amazed at so many of the people that God used so mightily had hugest of worstest failures, worser of all hugest. For those in listening to us in social media and you're in the north part of the country, I suggest you get a southern dictionary that will help you with some of our sermons here because here we do worstest, and it's really worstest. And, you know, we, we diagram that worstest, more worstest, really, really worstest. So you in the north, y'all get you a dictionary that will help you. But I'm talking about a real worse or hugest thing. And a real bad one was Peter's denial of Jesus. I mean, that's, that's bad. That's, I, never, I never knew him. I never knew. Really? Really? Matthew 26, Jesus knows it's time. He tells his disciples, 
you know, what's about to happen here. Then he says, y'all are going to desert me, but I'll be raised from the dead. And, and he's explaining what's happening. And you know, Peter jumps up. I'll never, no, 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 no way, Lord. I will never, I will never deny you. And in verse 34, Jesus says, in fact, this very night, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows this night. Oh, no, 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 no way, no way. I mean, could Jesus have been more specific with Peter? It's not like he told him five years earlier and oh, he forgot. I'm talking about that afternoon he's telling them, and we're talking about a few hours later. Church, this is an epic failure right here. Denying Jesus, not once, but three times denying. I never knew him. No, 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 I wasn't with him. No, I never knew him. I wonder what Peter had to deal with every time he heard a rooster crow. For the rest of his life. Every time he heard a rooster crow. Now, let me just stop right here and to remind you, Peter was not raised in Hot Springs Village where there are no chickens. Just to get that out. Peter was in a day and time when eggs came from chickens. They didn't self-generate in a styrofoam thing at Walmart. <laughs> Peter was in a day and time that milk, you're not gonna believe this, it came from cows. It didn't just happen in plastic bottles at Walmart. And so what they did before Walmart in the grocery section was there, everybody alive had some chickens. And everybody, every family had a milk cow. So you, you got to understand, every family had, they didn't have a grocery store to run get them, nor did they have refrigerators and deep freezes to keep them. So every morning you went out and, I mean, you just won't believe this, eggs came from chickens back then. And you're not going to believe this, but they went out, got the fresh eggs, brought them into the house. They didn't go into the refrigerator. So what I'm telling you is, this not a rare occurrence Every house, every place, everywhere you turn, everybody had chickens. And every morning at dawn, every morning, wherever you are, a rooster was crowing. Wow. Wow. Tough. You got to deal with that. You got to deal with that. I was a religion and psychology major in college but the truth is, you don't even have to be a psychology major. Most all of us in high school were taught about in the one psychology class you had, Pavlov's experiment with the dogs. Has everybody been told that? Pavlov wanted to see if he could condition a response. And when a dog's food comes out, a dog would salivate. When his food came out, he would salivate. Well, Pavlov wondered if he could condition a response by another stimuli. So the experiment, if you all remember, he would ring a bell and then throw out dog food. Ring a bell, throw out dog food. Ring a bell, throw out dog food. And after a period of time, he would ring that bell, measure the saliva glands in a dog, ring the bell, and the dog would start salivating. And the study showed that responses could be conditioned even to stimuli that was unrelated. 
That's what that experiment taught us. You and I can be conditioned to respond to something in a way that the truth is there's no correlation between your denial and a rooster crowing. Interesting how our enemy uses this conditioned response against us. Every morning, every morning, for the rest of Peter's life, no matter where he slept, when daybreak happened, somewhere there was going to be a rooster crowing, throwing his epic failure up before him. The enemy is a master at throwing your epic failure up to you. Bringing that back up, bringing that back up. Whatever it was, your divorce, your mistake, your, bringing that back up, bringing that back up. Have you ever noticed that unrelated things will stimulate that hurt or that pain or that regret or that self-hatred? And it, I didn't ask for that and it just comes back up. I'll never forget many, many years ago, my mom brought my dad home from an extended hospital stay and he was recovering very well. He was doing much better. He was getting his strength back. And one day, out of nowhere, he freaked out. He started saying, I'm dying, I'm dying, I'm dying. He kept saying, the smell of death is in this room. I'm dying, I'm dying. And my mom, honey, you're doing fine. You're getting stronger. You're doing better. And he said, no, no, I'm dying, I'm dying. Call somebody, do something. I'm dying right now. Now, it must have, I mean, it had to have been the Holy Spirit that revealed this to my mom. I don't know how in the way in the world she could have figured this out. When my dad was in very bad shape, in fact, was fighting for his life in the hospital, someone had sent him a eucalyptus plant. Those things got a distinct smell. And that smell was in his hospital room all of his stay in that hospital. Well, he comes home and he's recovering and he's doing better and he's doing better. And it was an extended recovery. Well, some weeks into his home stay, somebody sent him a eucalyptus plant. And so brought it in here, set this plant in his room to make his room pretty. That smell of that plant triggered a response in his head and he freaked out, I'm dying, I'm dying. When in fact he was getting stronger and better every day. The enemy can condition responses in your life and at the right time, at the right moment, he can ring that bell. In the right moment, the enemy can ring that bell. I want to remind you, Revelations 12 said, he is the accuser of the brethren. First Peter 5 says he prowls around like a roaring lion, crowing like a rooster, ringing a bell. You blew it. There's no doubt you blew it. You've had an epic failure in your life. But the message today is God can recondition your responses. God can reprogram your reflexes. Ephesians tells us that you can have your mind washed. Romans tells us that you can have your mind transformed. Philippians chapter 2 says you can have the mind of Christ. I want you to hear this. It's much easier to act like a Christian than it is to react like a Christian. I am a model Christian. I can act like a Christian. How are you, brother? Oh, praise the Lord. How are you, brother? Blessed, blessed, 
Blessed beyond what I deserve. How are you doing today? Blessed. Just blessed. Hey, I'm a model Christian. In every way, follow me. I'm a model Christian. Until somebody pulls out in front of me and then they put their brakes on and go five miles an hour. I can act like a Christian, but dadgum, I can't react like one. I mean, words start coming that I thought I forgot. Sign languages start coming and I don't even know sign language. I mean, don't be looking up here at me like, ooh, pastor, you're with... Come on. How are you blessed, blessed, blessed? Until the joker in front of me that light turns green and he's on his phone up there. Oh! <laughs> See, we can act like a Christian. We do a great job acting like a Christian. We come in here, smile, bless you, God bless you, just happy. Oh, I'm wonderful, I'm wonderful. Let somebody pull out and I'll tell you. See, it's our reactions that get us. I'm a super guy until you tell me you're going to be there at 8 o'clock Tuesday morning and don't show. Oh, oh, I can feel my heart beating in my face right here. Let somebody tell me, got it, oh, I handle it, got it handled, got it handled. And I found out they don't got it handled. See, my reaction is where my trouble comes in. It's not my action, it's my reaction. You let somebody say a cutting word to me, I'm going to tell you something. My tongue is so fast, I can cut your heart out before I even think about it. Boom! Man, I got a quick, smart, eloquent remark. Just instantly. See, it's my reactions that I just fight all the time. You know, today, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but Jesus focused a lot of his teaching on reconditioning our responses, reconditioning our reflexes. Matthew 5, pray for those who persecute you. See, that's not normal. See, what's normal is when somebody persecutes me, what's normal? By God, I'll tell you one thing. I hope, they better hope there's somebody else around when I meet them. They better, I'll tell you when I get my hands on them, I'll tell you one thing. See, praying for my enemy is not a normal, or, or who persecutes me is not a normal thing. See, Luke 6, love your enemy, that's not normal. See, he taught us, here, you, you got an enemy, now your reflex, your reaction is this, but we got to recondition. See, we got to reprogram your reflex. Where Now I am loving my enemies, I'm praying for them, instead of, are you getting this? Matthew 5, bless those who curse you. Somebody curses me, let me me just let you know something. I wrote the book on giving it to you. So wait a minute. All right, bless those who curse you. See, I've got to recondition, I've got to reprogram another response. Luke 6, if someone slaps you on the right cheek, you give them a cut with the left. I mean, right, boom, then boom, right here. Go right straight for the gut when they bend over the nose and it's over. So I mean, here, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, except for that's not what Jesus told us. See, here's the way you, if anyone forces you to go a mile, I've already come a mile, I believe I'll just go on with you another mile here. 
That's not a normal reaction. Jesus is teaching us to react to our stimuli in a different way than we normally do. Romans 12. As a matter of fact, turn to Romans 12. I want every member of our church to memorize this verse this week. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. I want everybody in this church to memorize this verse this week. Romans 12, 2. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Don't copy the behavior of the world. Here's the way the world behaves. Now, don't you behave like the world. See, you hurt my feelings. I got a bigger hurt than I'm fixing a dish out to you. That, whoa, whoa, time out. That's the behavior of the world. You jerk me around. I can tell you right now, you wait till I get a hold of you. I'll jerk the rug smooth slap out from under you. Well, don't copy that. We're being transformed into a new person. Now, why? Because when you give that guy a piece of your mind, have you noticed you don't turn around and walk off in peace and joy? See, you just walk away meaner and madder and more bitter than you were before you started into all that. But if you will respond like Jesus is teaching us, then you come full of, are you getting this? Here's what I want us to see. A few days after Peter's denial... Peter tells his friends in John 21, I'm going out to fish. Now, <clears throat> going fishing, is, it's, that's not all that wrong. But I want you to think about this just a minute. What did Peter do before he started following Jesus? He was a fisherman. So when Peter said, I'm going back to fish, what was he saying? I'm going back to my old lifestyle. I'm going back to my old way of life. Throw in the towel on following Jesus. It's over. I've made an epic failure in my life. My life following Jesus is over. Back to my old way of life. And church, for too many of us, that's what happens in our life. That's what happens in our life. We try this Christian thing for a little while. It don't pan out for us. It doesn't work for us like we wanted it to. And so I'm going back fishing. Here's where the enemy gets us. No doubt it was an epic failure on Peter's part. Peter should have never done that. But God was not finished with Peter just because he had an epic failure in his life. Now, it's very important for us to see today. The next morning, this is too important. Go to John 21. I just try to tell you about Scripture, but sometimes this is, you got to go there. So just, just stop. Everybody go to John 21. We got to see this. In chapter 20, we read about the resurrection. We read about Jesus appearing to many. Chapter 21, verse 3. Simon Peter says, I'm going fishing. I've blown it. This following Jesus stuff didn't work for me. I tried Christianity. I'm blowing it. I'm out of here. Okay, now here's what I want you to see. When you go back to your old way of life, here's a real problem. The problem is a lot of times you take friends with you. 
See, people that used to go to church with you, when you quit church, now they don't want to come to church. What's that got to do with you? What's that got to do with your decision? See, but when you don't want to go to church anymore, they now, they're not going to church anymore. But I get what Peter's thinking. He's thinking, Jesus, you blew it. You should have never got yourself crucified. Peter is thinking, God, where were you? God, how did you let me down? I laid my life down, God. I was following you, and then you didn't come through for me like I thought. To heck with this church stuff, I'm going back fishing. I mean, you can follow this scripture in verse 3. Verse 4. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. Okay, now hold on just a minute. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, but they all said they got out in the boat. They didn't catch anything. Your old life ain't going to produce what you think it's going to produce for you. Your old way of life, take some friends with you. I'm telling all of you, it won't work. It's not going to produce the joy. It's not going to produce the happiness. It's not going to produce the peace. It's not going to produce the blessings. I can save you a lot of time. I can save you a lot of time. Now, here's Jesus at dawn. He's standing on the beach. The disciples can't see who he was. He called out, fellas, you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, throw out your net on the right side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul the fish in the net because there were so many fish in it. How wide is the boat? Six, seven feet? The fish were hiding six feet away? I mean, there wasn't any right, not, no zero, not one fish here. Right over here, they couldn't even haul them all in. Here's what you need to know. Your miracle is always closer to you than you think. Your miracle is a lot closer to you today than you think it is. It's right there. It's right there. Let us read on. This is, this is so good. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs. Jesus repeated the same question. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Take care of my sheep. A third time. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Dear Lord, Peter's hurt. Come on. The third time, Lord, you know I do. Okay, then feed. How many times did Jesus ask this same question? Count them up. Three times. How many times did Peter deny Jesus? <laughs> Don't you just love the word? Don't you just love reading the word? What did Jesus do? He wanted to make sure that he restored Peter every single time, every single time, every single time you blow it, I'm here to restore you. Every time you blow it, I'm here to restore you. This is too good. I'm not done. Look at this. When did this take place? Open book test. The answer is in verse 4. There's 24 hours of the day. Jesus could appear to Peter any time in 24 hours of the day. But what hour did Jesus appear? Verse 4, at dawn. When do roosters crow? Jesus 
wants to condition your response in such a way for you that you'll never forget it. Now at dawn, what can Peter remember? What can Peter focus on? What can he remember? A dawn and a rooster crows once triggers guilt, and now dawn is a daily reminder of God's grace and his forgiveness and his mercy in your life. He wants to meet you right where you are. An epic failure, no doubt about it. A new chapter begins for Peter right here. And we read the whole first half of Acts is all about Peter. And we read about Peter's life not only affecting thousands, but 2,000 years later, Peter's life is still affecting millions of us. And I want to remind you, it was all after his epic failure in life. God is not through with you because you've had an epic failure. That became a powerful testimony for Peter. Your epic failure in life can haunt you, torment you, and ruin you, or it can become a powerful testimony that you build your life on and you go to great heights in your walk with the Lord from that point forward in your life. All through the Bible, we read about men and women of God that God used mightily, and we see epic failures in their past. The first half of Acts is all about Peter The second half of Acts is all about a man named Saul who had his name changed to Paul. Now think about this. Saul oversaw the capture, the imprisonment, and the stoning to death of people just because they were a Christian. Now I don't know if you've ever thought about that all the way through. Probably not. It's too gruesome to think about. But think about you standing there watching somebody on their hands and knees and a group of people around them throwing rocks on them, pelting them with rocks until they die. How many, how many rocks would they have to deal with banging and banging and hitting them? And think about Stephen looking up into Saul's eyes as these rocks work. How about those dreams? How about those nightmares? You talking about an epic failure? How about dealing with that man's eyes looking in your eyes as you're overseeing rocks hit him in the head all in his body as they finally took the life out of him and he's got to now deal with that epic failure for the rest of his life. But Jesus appeared to this man on the Damascus road. Jesus appeared to him and his thinking was reconditioned. He didn't forget it. He still remembered it, but his response was reconditioned into a different response. And from that moment on, that epic failure became his testimony. And we read about Paul giving it, giving it. People tell him, you can't tell it. I told it anyway. King Agrippa, while I'm in your court, let me tell you what happened to me. You read about him reliving those events of what used to be a torment in his life can now be a... Are you getting this? No doubt about it. Peter never forgot denying Jesus three times. No doubt about it that Peter never ever forgot that he denied Jesus three times. 
But here's what I can tell you today. No doubt about it, Peter never forgot the risen Lord and Savior appearing him to him on the shore of that lake and forgiving him three times. From that moment on, he was, you never read about Peter being plagued by guilt of his epic failure again. Today's message is, you've had an epic failure. There's no doubt about it. You've had an epic failure. Now recondition your response using the word of God. And at dawn, when the rooster crows, you remember at dawn, Jesus standing on the beach and calling to you. Where were you when Jesus appeared to you? Everybody in here, Jesus appeared to you. He's appeared to you. Paul Kern always tells us about him high on drugs laying in his bed at night. And Jesus appeared to him. It may have been at a youth rally. It may have been in your bed at night by yourself. It may have been in the woods. It may have been in a car. I don't know where was it for you when you were by yourself. And you know that you know that you know Jesus appeared to you. Where were you when Jesus appeared to you? No doubt about it. The devil wants to continue to throw your failure up to you. But you immediately... Remember the time when Jesus called out you. You remember the time when Jesus called you out. When the devil throws up your epic failure to you, you immediately throw up God's forgiveness and his love and his grace to the devil. Jesus has appeared to you. He's called you. Don't you ever, ever forget it. Today, I want this to be a day when you allow Jesus to appear to you and recondition your response to your epic failures in life. There's, there's no doubt. We're not discussing it. You had an epic failure. It was horrible. Should have never done that. Right now, God's not done with you. God's not done with you. And your epic failure does not cancel God's call on your life. When the rooster crows and reminds you of your epic failure, you remind the devil of Jesus appearing to you washing you clean and giving you a brand new start. Don't let your epic failure destroy you. Let it become your testimony. You stand with me. Come on right now, everybody in here. I don't want anybody leaving that's continuing to be tormented by your failure in life. You shouldn't have done it, you blew it. Let's just say it right out, I blew that. I blew it, shouldn't have done that. But now devil, you're not going to continue to haunt me and torment me, and whip me down, and ruin my life because of this. I'm going to receive God's forgiveness right now. I'm going to receive His grace and His mercy right now, and I'm washed clean. You have been listening to the CMC Podcast. For more information about CMC, our different conferences, Christian school, college internship, resources, and more, go to cmchurch.com. 